Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of Acts, chapter 21. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 21. We'll be beginning in verse 26. For those of you who are new to Calvary Chapels, we're a church that goes through the whole Bible, uh, Genesis through Revelation. Don't worry, it's not all in one sitting. So. But we go verse by verse, and the reason why we do it is we want to give God the honor of the book that he has given us for life and for godliness, right? It teaches us. So there's so much in here. It's good to get the whole enchilada rather than just parts of... Uh, the Bible, because our lives are complicated and we go through so many difficulties. We want as much information and help that we can possibly get. That's why we go through the whole Bible. We study it as God intended it for us to study it. Amen. So in Acts 21, we'll be beginning in verse 26. And uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness in our life, Lord. Where would we be without you? Lord, you you have pulled us, Lord, from the, the pit, Lord, of sin and despair and hopelessness and, and loneliness and suffering. And you have blessed us, Lord, with eternal life for those of us who have placed our faith in your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, you raised him from the dead, and he's at your right hand, even now praying for us. So that through him we can have new lives, no longer living the way we used to, but through Christ we can live new and holy lives. We're grateful for this place. We're grateful, Lord, for every soul that's here. Lord, as we read your word, as we study, show us your way. Speak to our hearts. Give us humble hearts to receive from you. We ask that the enemy be bound and that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. Amen. And so the Apostle Paul in our story is, is making his, or has made his last trip to Jerusalem, the capital of Judaism, where the temple was at the time, the same temple in which Jesus preached at, Jerusalem, that city of David where the son of David was crucified for our sins outside the walls on Golgotha, translated Calvary, the place of the skull. It all focuses there. And Paul the Apostle, as a Jewish man who grew up in the strictness of the law, he's from Tarsus. He's not from Jerusalem, but he was raised in Jerusalem under the strictest laws there for Judaism. At the feet of Gamaliel, one of the best rabbis, Paul was this sophisticated religious man who hated Christianity until the Lord got a hold of his heart on the road to Damascus. Paul had a heart for his countrymen. He wanted to see the Jews saved. He wanted to see his countrymen come to the realization that Jesus was in fact their Mashiach, their Messiah. But the Lord uniquely sent this Jewish Christian Paul, this Pharisee, all over the Gentile world where Gentiles were touched 
by his testimony of Jesus Christ and came to know Jesus. More, to, more Gentiles than Jews. It's interesting how God will take you and I and use us to do things that are unique and something that you and I would never plan for ourselves. And I'm an ex-gang member speaking to you. But Paul wanted to go back to Jerusalem after his third missionary journey. He had a heart to preach the gospel there. And on his way to Jerusalem, he passed by Ephesus where he spent three years preaching to the people there. And he spoke to the elders and he told them that he's bound in the spirit. like The, the spirit is driving him to go to Jerusalem. And he said that, he didn't know what's going to happen there, only that the Holy Spirit is testifying in every city that he went to that chains and tribulations were awaiting him. So God was forewarning his servant. Chains and tribulations await you in Jerusalem. But Paul said to that, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. That is so warrior-like, I don't even... Can you come up with a different cinnamon than that? I mean, that's such a warrior-like statement. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. Oh, Lord, help us to get to that place. His heart was that he would finish the race with joy and the ministry which he had received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul's concern in his life wasn't for his well-being, his safety, his self-preservation, but really to do the work that Jesus had called him to do. Because he knew he was a no-good sinner. In fact, Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. And Christ came to save sinners in whom I am the chief because I persecuted the church of God. That's the right type of mind frame that Christians ought to have. This humility this, this of, of the reality that you and I, before our God, we're sinners. And it's only when we're in that mind frame where God can really use a person. And, and I pray that we get there, that we seek God and say, Lord, Help me to understand how much I've been forgiven because then I will rejoice and sing in church. Then I will praise and be happy and jump for joy like a man who's been lame from his feet and could not walk his whole life, but, but now God has healed him and he can walk. What is he going to do? Not leap? Not dance? Of course he's going to leap. So this is where our joy comes from. Help us, Lord, to know that we've been forgiven much. Paul was ready to die because he understood my goodness. He was on his way to a place of torment, of burning ash where the worm does not die, where the thirst is not quenched, isolation from God. I'm speaking about hell. Paul knew that he was saved from that and thus, if I die, I die. Warrior status. He's ready and willing to die no matter what, what's going to take place in Jerusalem. When they had arrived in Jerusalem, as we talked about last week, the church there had an issue with the Jewish Christians there. They had heard falsely that Paul was going around the world preaching that Jews should forsake their traditions and not have their sons circumcised and do away with everything Moses and the law. 
And that wasn't true. Paul's emphasis on the law was that the law could not justify a person. By keeping the traditions and the rules and the law, no man can be justified. He, he had already written the letters, Galatians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Romans. It, when it's a matter of salvation, it cannot help you. It does not move the needle. Circumcision profits you nothing. And he would actually say to the Galatians, you know, you who seek to be justified by the law, in actuality you have fallen from grace, he would say. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. So when it comes to a matter of I'm going to save myself because I can keep these rules and thus God's going to let me into heaven. No, no. There is no way to get into heaven by good works. No way. You cannot be religious. You can't say, okay, I went to church 20 times. I'm going to heaven. No, 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 no. It is by faith alone in the work that Jesus did on the cross. He died. He did the work that no man can do. He did the work because he was sinless. And he who was without sin became sin for us, that his righteousness would be bestowed upon us, the sinners. So it's by faith in him that we are saved. We do works because we're grateful that we're not going to hell and that he saved us. That's why we do good works. You ask why I preach and teach the, the gospel, why I do this job? Because I love Jesus because he saved me from hell and I'll do whatever he wants me to do. I'll clean the floors, I'll whatever doesn't matter. So the issue was traditions. The church told him, hey, look, they're fearful that you're telling them they can't be Jews anymore. And, and, and it was a matter of tradition, not salvation. So Paul, you know, like he wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, 20. He says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. So they asked him, here's what you do to make peace. We have four Jewish Christian men who have taken a vow. Participate in, in that vow with them and pay for them to shave their heads because this makes them holy. But it was part of it. Pay for them to shave their heads, pay for their offerings, participate. And so Paul did it. Paul did it. And so that's where we're at in our story. Things are about to get heated at the temple. Here we go. So verse 26 we read, then Paul took the men, here are those four men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. And so at the end of the seven days, they were going to pronounce the end of this purification period. As I was praying about this very act of Paul and, and these men being purified together. You know, I couldn't help but to think of, of our men's breakfast yesterday. We had such a wonderful time. It was so edifying to come together with like-minded men to get more like-minded. 
And we're going through a book called The Voice of a Prophet, A.W. Tozer. And it is so warrior. It is so, don't compromise the word. It is so, don't be satisfied with where you're at spiritually. Seek God out for yourselves. In a way, be undone concerning yourselves. In a way, self-examine yourself and don't, don't be content. Don't be at ease. Let there be something wrong with you in your heart that will drive you to Christ himself so that you can be more committed to him. Don't get comfortable. And I talked to one brother and he goes, I, need, I came because I needed to be here. And that's exactly what the book was saying, the writer he wasn't, something wasn't right with the world in his heart. You need more God. And I thought, you know, I came back so edified. I felt like I purified myself with the men. I came back a little more committed than when I first went to the, to the breakfast. And I feel the same way about our prayer night on Sunday. My gosh, it was so powerful on, on Sunday, the first Sunday of the month we meet for prayer. I think we had like 25 people, maybe close to 30 people. It was phenomenal. An hour and a half of us seeking God together. And the flesh doesn't want you to attend. But the Spirit does. And, and we all leave with a sense of urgency, dedication, commitment, peace that this month, because we pray for the new month that we're in, that God's going to do a mighty work in July. Because we've prayed and we sought him. These things. And I think it's important for us as believers to often consider rededicating our lives to the Lord. I mean, but isn't that what like, hey, I'm going to spend a day in fasting and prayer is? Isn't it a sense of, because like, you know, unless you fast and pray every day, you'd probably be dead, but... We don't fast and pray every day, but once in a while we feel led. Like there's something not right in the world. There's something not right with me. I'm in need of more closeness to God. I'm going to deny myself food, just drink liquids, and seek the Lord in prayer. And when my body starts telling me, eat, eat, I tell it to be quiet. It's not the boss of me. And I pray. And I come closer to God. And what happens? He strengthens the inner man or woman. And all of a sudden, we're, we become, in, in a sense, more committed, more aware, more on fire for the Lord. And we have to be self-aware. And that's a kind of a, a, a term that's thrown around in these days, right? Have some self-awareness. I think as Christians, we should. Am I lacking love? Am I lacking hope? Am I lacking faith? Am I lacking strength? Maybe it's time for me to rededicate, reanalyze where I am spiritually. I got an electric bike a while back because they're awesome. I think I rode 20 miles yesterday. And I went up to the, the hills from Hence Comes My Help and got to spend some time with the Lord. And it rejuvenates us. It's like a recommitment. And we need those things, guys. So... Like the psalmist wrote, Psalm 76, 11, Make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him who ought to be feared. Don't stop making vows to the Lord. Recommit. 
Be passionate for him. It's a good thing. So Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them. And, and so we don't know exactly what vow he, they took, but because their heads needed to be shaved, we think it's a Nazareth vow, vow spoken of in Numbers 6. And again, that speaks of just being fully committed, fully committed. Be fully committed. It's the only way that we experience abundant life in Christ. Fully committed to the Lord. Fully abiding in Christ. I have seen, I've experienced a life that isn't abundant, even as a believer, because my dedication, my commitment wasn't where God wanted it to be. And I think God will remove peace, will remove strength from us, so that we turn to him and draw closer to him, like we ought to. Amen? Now, when the seven days were almost ended, verse 27, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed. And the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the door shut. Wow! The Lord was right. They wasted no time laying hold of Paul. Amen? The Holy Spirit warned him. And, and immediately when they saw him, these Jews from Ephesus, where God did a powerful work through Paul, and many Jews came to know Christ there, they see him and they say, they scream, help, let's take this guy out. And they, they throw false charges at him. They charged him with talking against the temple, which Paul never did, against the law, against his own people. They charged him with bringing a Gentile, Trophimus, into the inner court, which he did not bring into the inner court. He didn't do that. For those of you who don't know, around the temple, there was a, uh, an area for, for the Jews, the court of Israel. But beyond that, the outer court was the court of the Gentiles. And it was a capital offense for a Gentile to go from the outer court into the inner court. It was a big to-do with the religious Jews. It was so big that the Romans gave them authority to carry out capital punishment if any Gentile was to go into the inner courts. They actually found ancient posts from the temple with inscriptions that said, warning to the Gentiles, it is your fault if you pass this barrier and are killed for it. So it was a really big deal. And they are charging Paul with bringing in a Gentile into the inner court. When I think of this madness, I think of how good our God is and how Jesus came to break down walls of separation. Gentile courts, Jewish courts. In Christ, none of that matters anymore. There's one court. Those who believe in Jesus Christ and those who do not. He makes us one. Amen? 
And I'm not talking about border walls. Border walls, and I know it's a hot topic, but I don't want to be a pastor that ignores topics that are happening today. God, first of all, for those of you who don't know, the Bible teaches us that God made the nations. If you ever go to Europe, and you want to go to Belgium from France, or Spain, you think they're just going to let you in their countries? No. You need a passport. They, they're going to find out who you are everywhere. Because God made the nations. The world, the devil says, we are the world, da 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 forget nations. No, 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 no. God made the nations. And the nations will honor Christ one day. As a Mexican-American, Arab, Hawaiian, whatever you want to, whatever I am, in my grandpa's house in Tijuana, he had a perimeter wall around his house. And on that wall, he had broken glass glued to it. You ever see that in, in Tejuas? Broken glass, boom. They, and they, the bottom part, they glue it. Bah, 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 all around the perimeter for safety. So when they say a wall for nations is racist, don't believe the hype. If you do, then take the locks off your door take your fence down and let anybody in your house. You would never do that. Never. Never. But that's how the world thinks. But anyways, I digress. Back to the text. Walls of separation between the color of our skin, God comes and tears that to shreds. And there was a wall of separation between Jew and Gentile that Paul speaks so eloquently in, in Galatians and, and in various places that we become one in Christ. We become one in Christ. Galatians 3, 26, 28 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Another hot topic is this critical race theory that's everywhere and wanting to be placed in schools. Do your research on it, guys, because I believe it's from the devil. It is the philosophy that everything is racist and that white people are racist. The theory claims that white people are incapable of even knowing they are racist because of their supposed privilege. It claims that when a white person does a nice thing for a person of color, they are only doing so for selfish benefits. It holds that the U.S. society is inherent and systematically racist. And this is what the left and Democrats are trying to teach our children, and it is causing division and hatred to rise in our country. If America is so evil, why are so many minorities dying to try to get here? Nazi Germany was evil. You don't read about Jews trying to get into Nazi Germany in 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44. They were fleeing Nazi Germany. But everyone's coming here. Everyone wants to come here. But people are not thinking clearly because they're under the sway of the devil. Remind, and, and let me just share this with you. Christ referred to Satan as the prince of the air. 
airwaves. Yeah. I grew up. I mean, my mother was part of the Mecha Club. Right? The 60s were terrible. We needed to, to, to revolt for the laws in the 60s. We get that. But I have been, I was trained thoroughly by my culture, by television, by movies, to think that I'm a victim. I'm a minority. There are bad cops. There are. There are bad plumbers and bad mechanics and there's bad everything. There's bad pastors. God says to love him and love our neighbor as ourselves. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.